Hi guys, it's your girl K Did come back out to you one more time. Thank you for coming to this week's podcast. We have a very interesting story with Miss Cynthia over here. Also, before we get into the story and her life and everything like that, thank you guys for tuning into our our podcast. I've been seeing the analytics. You've been running up the numbers. Thank you. But we do want to get bigger over here. So if you don't mind sharing us out and also like sharing us out to on a different platforms. Also, we have a resource packet down below. You'll see everything in the link tree. So if you look in the link tree, you'll see our YouTube, our Instagram, our things like that. Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook gets updated a lot. They have a lot of different resources on there. If you need a job or things like that, or just want to go to an event, you might see me at some of them. All of them you might not see me at, but some event you can meet me in person. Um, Don't don't come there with the scary stuff, though. But, you know, you come meet me and my kids in person with certain things. And we'd love to hang out with you guys. And we'd love to be people, families, things like that. Also, we're looking for people to be on the podcast. So if you want to be on a podcast and share your story, if you're formerly homeless in the U.S. with families, with children, we'd love to have you on. Also, if you're a person who speaks Spanish, we'll love to have you on the Spanish side also. As you know, you've seen Lorden. She does the Spanish po- side of the podcast. I do the English, obviously, because that's the only language I was, I'm actually good at. So that's what I got. And <laughs> so just fo- please follow us on our social media accounts. We are there almost, I'm going to say every other day, daily. I'm probably going to start doing some live soon. I said that before. I'm going to try to get on it now. And we're going to start the New Year- New Year's off fresh. So this is actually season four. Thank you for coming on, coming with us thus far to the podcast. So we're going to get into her story. So I have a few questions for you to send here, right? Sure. Where are you now today? Before we get into your story, I want to know about who you are and what do you do now? Right now. Okay. Yes. First of all, very, very uh, honored to be here with you, Khadijah. Congratulations you. on the beginning of your fourth year. And let's go for year 40. Yes. Let's do it. Um, I appreciate the work that you and your organization are doing with families with children. It's very important, very underserved uh, group. And, and so, you know, keep the good fight up. Um, where am I now? Okay, let's see. I'm 60 years old. I have three adult children, ages 39, 33, and 22, and a 10-year-old grandson. Um, my daughters and my grandson and I, we all live together in, in same apartment. Um, so it's, it's, it's nice. Um, most of, most of the time, (laughs) um, I recently, uh, quit, quit working because I have some, some health concerns and quite frankly, I just wasn't able to keep up physically. Um, I was a shelter specialist with the coalition for the homeless as well as the facilitator of our weekly CAD meeting, um, which pre-pandemic was in person. And um, I facilitated anywhere between 20 and 50 guests per week. Um, The client advisory group uh, was a group that I I resurrected. I didn't start it, but I resurrected it and reshaped it. And it's a group comprised of currently and formerly homeless uh, New Yorkers and they get together once a week and talk about their experiences in and out of the shelter system. Um, a lot of a lot of bonding. Some people would say trauma bonding, but I say human bonding because being homeless um, 
whether sheltered or unsheltered, is the one of the loneliest feelings in the world. And it, it doesn't matter how much family you have, how much of a support system uh, your, your family and your friends think that they're giving you. Um, homelessness is a trauma that um, from what I've seen in, in my many years of dealing with the issue, both personally and professionally, is that it's something that you never kind of quite get over. Right. Um, I was used to tell my group, um, you know, if you came into the shelter system without a diagnosis, feeling that you were mentally and emotionally okay, chances are you will leave the system with some kind of diagnosis based on the layers of trauma. Because let's face it, it, it doesn't take one day to be homeless. It may right. seem like that, but when, when we unpack things, we find out what we did or didn't do to contribute to that state of homelessness that we're currently in. Right. And the reason for unpacking and dissecting the, the trajectory to homelessness is so that we don't repeat the same mistakes. Right. Um, I mean, you know, I, 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 I used to say, even if you lost your apartment or your home due to a fire or flood or any act of nature that was beyond your control, did you have renter's insurance? Right. Did you have homeowner's insurance? Mm -hmm. Renter's insurance, I don't know, it's $15, $20 a month. Right. Right. It's uh, the price of a good cable package, Netflix. You right? want cable anymore? <laughs> <laughs> Who can afford it? Right. <laughs> so, you know, we we have to in 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 regrowing ourselves from a state of homelessness. We have to face these things. We have to face the traumas that got us there failed marriages, illnesses. There are things that are out of our control. Right. But it's how you deal with those things. And are you forward thinking, not just thinking in the moment with what you're going through? And and I know that that sounds trite and well, a hell of a lot easier said than done, yeah. but it's a muscle that you have to strengthen. It's a practice that we have to put into our lives because if we don't, we're destined to repeat the same things. And I know this because I'm a recidivist shelter resident. Okay. Right. Um, I've been in shelter three times. Oh, wow. Uh, first families with children. Then as just a regular single adult. And then as a single adult with mental health issues. Wow. Um, so I kind of know all parts of the system. And then I was also street homeless from 1999, early 2000 to 2009. And I got my apartment out of the shelter system in 2010, my, my first apartment. You said a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, There's a lot, guys. I, don't I put told you it was going to be a lot now. And we I'm didn't even talk like, about my childhood. <laughs> I we didn't even talk. <laughs> but one thing, like two things, I want to point out actually. Um, 
renter insurance, you know, I, I need to get it on myself. I had it and I, don't, I stopped paying for it at one point because times got where it got. But mm -hmm. you know, happened, we're going to get back on that. But that's a very good point. We don't talk about that a lot on this platform. But renters insurance is very important. I'm not saying go for Geico or go for this. I'm not going to name uh, Richard, I just No, named no. FICO is not one. I, I don't. Is Allstate do? I'm not sure. Allstate, I don't. You know, prudential. I don't care what. I don't care yeah. which one you pick. You need to have it because it's very important to have it. Because when the mm -hmm. problem comes, yeah, it's like you're paying every month for this thing, but it's like your regular health insurance. You want that, so when a problem happens, you have it. Exactly. Just in case. So it's a very important to have these things. I know somebody who had a fire. You know, she don't consider herself homeless because she was couch surfing, but she don't consider herself homeless. We can't mm -hmm. force that on people. The point is that if she had renter's insurance, it would have been much better for her in that long run mm -hmm. to the situation. Mm -hmm. So I'm telling you, I'm imploring you. If you can afford it, probably not buy Starbucks for two days in a month. Because I know how much that's it, exactly it. <laughs> it is. Yeah. And pay for that. It's important. It's important. Yes. Self-protection. So, Self-protection often takes sacrifices. Like you say, two days you don't go to Starbucks. You can, you because it's six bucks a pop for a drink, and right. that's on the cheap side. You can afford your renter's insurance. Okay. Um, we now have the mechanisms where we can afford, for the most part, health insurance. And for those who are the most indigent um, or lacking in funds, there are other avenues, you know, right. so There's that you can you can take care of your medical needs before it becomes something that is is life altering and you end up in a situation where you lose the roof over your head because of someone's medical medical needs, you know, not right. being taken care of. Um, uh, one other thing I wanna actually talk about is that people don't think that, or I don't think they think about it, but being in a shelter is a trauma thing. It affects your whole life. It's not your whole existence, granted, but if you don't talk to somebody who's a professional about this particular thing, you mm -hmm. stay in your head. Some people are, yeah. who I know, street homeless, and when they go into an apartment, being in the four walls is too much, and that's a problem. And that means you, most people grew up in a house, so to mm -hmm. be in the four walls and it's too mm -hmm. confining for you, that's a trauma mm -hmm. response. That's a PTSD Let kind of response to that. So think yes. about those things, too. So yes. I just want to make sure you know and I had that. I I actually had that. Um, when I was street homeless, you know, I stayed in my same neighborhood as where my apartment had been. Um, I was in a quarter mile radius that I would, you know, run around. So there were a lot of people that I knew. No, I was very mentally ill. I was that lady on the corner wearing three coats, you know, and three pairs of pants, and you didn't know whether it was a male or a female. <laughs> But she was very polite asking you for a dollar sandwich, okay? Um, that was me um, until I see police. And then I get triggered and flip out. And next right. thing I know, I'm being arrested for- Oh, no. Oh, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was arrested 30 times. What? Um, never more than a misdemeanor, okay? Nothing violent, no property involved, no theft, no solicitation. None of that stuff. But right. in the area of the Bronx that I was in by the 42nd precinct, okay. um, during those years, uh, well, everywhere had a quota system in New York. Of course. But during those years, it was the Tuesday and Thursday sweeps. Mm. Okay. And they had to, and I heard this directly from the officers over the mic. Um, 
they had to have a certain number of bodies in the van for oh, wow. those suites. And they could not go back to base until they had collected that certain number of bodies. That's and bad. yeah, because of the fact that I was undomiciled um, and not in good mental health, which they knew after the first time they arrested me, trust me. Um, anytime they would do a sweep, and because my homestead, my at, at that time, the particular lot that I was living in was just a few blocks, three or four blocks from the precinct. I, in my mind, thought I would be safer there. I didn't know that the police would become my enemy. But anyway, um, I literally was one morning, it was two o'clock in the morning, and I was going to the 24-hour bodega. I remember I had 50 cents in my pocket left from my days, uh, you know, doing odd jobs and whatnot. Right. And so I wanted to go get two cigarettes. They were 25 cents a piece then. I literally watched. There was nobody in the street. I saw that police van and I literally watched them look across a field above about two, three hundred yards right. and see me and hang a U-turn to come back to the block so that they could come and get me. So mm. as soon as I saw him coming toward me, what did I start doing? I started Running. to panic, oh. right? Because I was not well. So now I'm acting suspicious. Right. So now I'm being thrown up against the wall. Mm. And I'm resisting arrest. That's crazy. Okay. I'm an unmedicated middle-aged woman living in the street with bipolar one disorder, clinical oh. depression, um, and, and a couple other diagnoses, uh, mental borderline personality disorder. And mm -hmm. you want to come at me at ha in with handcuffs rattling like Ebenezer Scrooge on Christmas Eve um, at two o'clock in the morning when I'm all by myself and, and there's no one around to witness what's going on. Right. Okay. So I went through that many times. And every time I went to jail, I was sent at Rikers Island. I was sent to what's called mm -hmm. the MO, which is the medical unit mm -hmm. so that I could yes, get my medication because from day one, they knew that I was a psych case. Got it. So every time it came time to do a sweep, I swear to you, they had eight by 10 glossies of me in this, in this precinct because it never failed. Right. I mean, there was some months that I went to jail three or four times. Oh, wow. Would be 10 or 15 days based on my previous arrest. Right. Okay? That's crazy, though. Yeah, at that time, they had a thing. I don't know if they still have it, um, where if you had so many misdemeanors in one category, which mine was always a, a misdemeanor, uh, whatever, uh, possession or... or, or uh, whatever it was, you know, trespassing, whatever, mm -hmm. um, paraphernalia possession, because they never caught me with anything but my little doodads, okay? Because I was, yes, I was self-medicating at the time, Got all it. right? Um, and uh, because that's something that you just do when you're in the street. Right. You know what I mean? Um, and it, 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 I don't talk a lot about that because, that was not my main issue, right? right? My main issue was mental health. Right. I had gone through 
an abusive childhood, which involved child sexual assault, physical abuse, emotional and mental abuse. My mother gave me my first concussion when I was three mm -hmm. years old. Sorry about that. If that gives you a sense. Right. Um, and so that transferred into my adult life by me making wrong choices with partners, you know. Of so course. of course I'm I married the first dumb man who was able to spin me a bill of goods and you know, yeah, tell me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he, he gonna make everything all right. Yes, right, he would. right. I'm sorry, yeah. baby. <laughs> yeah. The problem was what he found out was he had a wife who was a workhorse. Uh, yeah, I was mm -hmm. 19. I didn't know anything. Right. You know? Um oh, wow, that's young. Yes, and he found out that I was a workhorse and would work two jobs. And so since I would work two jobs, that meant he didn't have to work any. Oh, no. Okay. And yeah, and he was eight years older than me. He was a, 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 a military man. Of course. He was a very talented radio and television broadcaster. Could have had mm -hmm. a wonderful career had he not oh. been a bum inside. You know, because you can be broke, but not be a bum. Right. It's true. You it's true. You can be a person who doesn't have the resources in the moment but is striving to get it, right? True. That's temporarily without funds, right. right? This was not that case. This was you work, wifey, you work all you can, and I will take from you all I can get, and I will abuse you in return. And in turn, I will abuse our children. That's abuse. That's deep. That's right there, yeah. domestic violence. And people, again, I like when people tell their stories and I get to... Like sometimes some people don't understand that is what's what happening. Some people they understand because they've been on this journey for a very long time. But that's a part of domestic violence abuse. People only think about, as I said all the time, beating and pinching. No, financial no. abuse is one of the highest. I, I want to say ones because that's your money. And in yes. this case, he worked to like a mule and took her money. Not even like oh he's working yes. and they're working and together. Had, and had the nerve to put his hands on me. And has so the nerve to <laughs> Okay. Like, I'm going to beat you and take your money. Yes. There, but there is a thing that we don't talk about a lot, and it's called coercive control. Right. And it's a part of violence in the home that is the least evident oftentimes. We don't realize when we're experiencing it, people from the outside may not see this, Mm -hmm. And I say to everyone out there, male, female, or however you identify, if your choice is being taken away from you, if your money is being taken away from you, if you are being physically intimidated or controlled in any way, don't fool yourself. It's abuse. And you cannot love it enough to make it better because it's not your problem. It's the perpetrator's problem. Right. You know, um, and you got to get get help and get out. Unfortunately, now, you know, my my situation with my my husband was in the early 90s. So there was some awareness, but not enough awareness. And I still had to deal with the mental health stigma. Um, I come from a Latino, Caribbean, Afro-Caribbean Latino background. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, we all know anybody that comes from that background knows that 
there's no such thing as mental illness. Right, right. You're lazy. You're weak. Oh, you're whiny. Your you're, point. you're irresponsible. Right. Um, you just don't want to try hard enough. You know, all mm -hmm. of these things. Get up out of the bed and, and you'll feel better. Right. So I, because of the child abuse, um, I started suffering from depression. The earliest uh, documentation that I know of is four years old. Wow. And that is, is unprecedented because four-year-olds don't know what depression is. Right. Um, of course, I didn't know that that's what it was. It was fear and depression. You know, I was afraid of getting hit and et cetera. Um, but a four-year-old is not supposed to be sitting in a corner crying by right. herself with apparently no, you know, no cause. But the cause <laughs> was my family was a mess. And I was a victim of a dysfunctional, of dysfunctional parents. Right. Right. So anyway, um, during the marriage, one of his ways of controlling me was to constantly call me crazy. Mm. Uh, um, let me let me back up a little bit. When I was 18, my first son died. I He died when, of crib oh, death when he was five months old. Um, it was it was right around that time dealing with that grief and suicidal ideation and, and so forth, which is part of my mental health package that um, I did go and see someone. Right. And I was diagnosed for the first time with, with bipolar one disorder and, um, you know, some of the other things. When I got with my husband, you know, I'm a full disclosure kind of person, always have been, because I've always felt if you're not doing anything wrong, there's no reason to hide anything, you know. Right. Um, so I told him, you know, that I had this diagnosis and I needed therapy and medication, et cetera, et cetera. Right. The first medications that I took, see, back in those days, it was zombie medication. It was just drooling. You, you couldn't work. You couldn't, you know, you really couldn't do much of anything on that medication. So obviously being young and, and, and full of life, you know, right. I stopped <laughs> taking it. Right. Not understanding. And it, it literally took me, till I was almost 50 years old, my, wow. my mid to late 40s. Oh, 30 to, years old. Yeah, to finally hone in on the fact that I have to accept this as a part of who I am for right. whatever reason and do what I do in other parts of my life, which is turn lemons into lemonade. See, I had many high times in my life. I was an elected official. I was a program director. Um, you know, the brief in my youth, I was embarking on a singing career. Um, you know, nice. a lot of different highs, right? Nice. The birth of my children, you know. But when you're not well mentally, you can do well for a little while. Right. But sooner or later, it's going to catch up to you. It's true. There's no sustainability in mental illness. The only thing you can sustain is a downward trajectory. Right. Right. So what I talk about now is I talk about personal responsibility and wanting to be well. 
You have to want to be well. Because if you don't truly want it, you're not going to fight for it. So you're not going to get up and you're not going to go to that therapist appointment or you're not going to get up and take your pills every morning like you're supposed to or however you're supposed to do it. So discipline and personal responsibility is very important when you're trying to be healthy and have a productive life. If you don't want to uh, if you don't want to cultivate those skills in yourself, then you're 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 not going to be as well as you should be. Let me put it that way. I, and, I like. I'm sorry. I like that you point out because I think people, especially who look like us, they don't want to do mental health. That's not you know to them it's not important. They think I'm also from I'm from a Jamaican background. If you sleep mm -hmm. past eight o'clock, it's a problem. So mm -hmm. like, eight mm -hmm. five or six is the time. Like the cock a doodle doo what happened? That's supposed to be up and like listen. The rooster is like, up. You should be up too. <laughs> that's how they. That's how the mentality they have for you. But yes. um, coming from that background, they know people don't talk about those things. But I like that you said you had so many highs. You had your children. You were elected official. People always, I think, they try to make it. Yes, this person has a problem, but it can be helped with medication. But also, you're you're not just that one thing. You're not just a mental case, mental thing. No, right. you are a person, and you can still do great even though you have this problem. So if you're a person who's watching this and thinking, "Oh my God, I have this, I have this, I have this, I have a disability, I have all these things," no, you can still be great. You can still be amazing okay. even with that. The people exactly. out who are blind, who who are still doing great. So don't make that one thing define who you are. Mm -hmm. There's so much great things in you. All you got to do is take it up and go yes. and touch the stars. Trust yes. yes. And the best work that I've ever done in my life was post-acceptance of my mental illness and taking charge of my mental health. Um, after the being in the uh, street uh, till 2010, you know, in the shelter, 2010, right. I got that apartment. I went back to volunteering for the Coalition for the Homeless, okay? Mm -hmm. And I became a full-time volunteer while getting my sea legs. Because here's another thing. When you've been, it, it, and it doesn't matter how long your shelter stay was or your homelessness period was or how short it was. When you come out of the other side and you finally get that roof over your head, you are going to go through another you're going to go through, like you said before, PTSD. Right. And I went through that. I actually went through that the whole time that I was street homeless because mm. after a certain amount of time in the street, when I would go to friends' houses to take a shower or because it was too cold outside or whatever, I literally could not stay at anybody's house, no matter how badly they wanted me to stay indoors mm. for more than 48 hours. Because wow. then the walls would start closing in on me. Right. Okay. Because I was used to lifting up the tarp to my little my little house that I built and being able to look out at stars and right. feel the wind on my face. And that's something that you become accustomed to. Whatever circumstances you live under, and we wonder, oh, well, how could they live like that? Well, guess what? I used to wonder how people could live in the street, too. I wasn't raised, you know, I wasn't raised in the street, have no, you know, no 
jail history in my family or anything like that, drugs or anything. So I never could comprehend how somebody could live like that until I had to live like that. And I can tell you that when your survival, survival mode kicks in, you have to become comfortable with what you have available to you. Right. Right. Um, so that you can, so that you can create some kind of normalcy in your brain so that you can deal with things. Right. Um, and so when you get your own place, be prepared, have that therapist on speed dial. Right. (laughs) Okay. You really, because you're going to be afraid. Number one, you're going to be afraid that somebody's going to come and take this from you. Mm-hmm. Number two, you're going to be afraid because now after however long, you now have to live by yourself. Okay. And whatever happened to get you to that place of needing that assistance, if it hasn't already been addressed, that means it's still there. It's still living in you and you've got to get it treated in order to truly be healthy and work on the other side. And it's the same for our children in, in shelter as well. Right. Um, for sure. Hi guys, thank you for coming back to season four of Hear Our Voices. Thank you that you made it to the end of this podcast. Thank you for just supporting us for the past couple of years when we're in this endeavor. And apparently people all around the world are listening to us, so shout out to you guys. Please follow us on social media, like I said before. Check us out on every platform. We have job opportunities. Right now we only do job opportunities for New York City, and we also do only resources for New York City. But one day, if people have um, job opportunities for different states and things like that, if you would like to send it to us, we would like to see those things. So please um, send that stuff in if you would like to give job opportunities to certain people and people's in, people in general. Um, we want to help out the community as best as we can. And if we can use our platform to do so, we would love to do that. So thank you for listening and see you guys next week.